Right now, new and returning vidIQ customers can buy one month of vidIQ and get the second month free. This offer is going on until July 31st and can be used towards a purchase of either a pro or boost level account. All you have to do is visit vidIQ.com bonus. If you've been looking to unlock our full suite of tools, now is a great time. You have until July 31st, vidIQ.com bonus. Imagine, if you will, being a YouTube creator who gets a rare and unique opportunity to start out on the platform and be identified for your talents, not necessarily the views you get or your subscriber count just yet, but your raw talent. And the folks who identify you invest in you. They give you the tools and the resources you need to get to the level you want to be even faster. Well, the reason why it's so cool that we got to talk to today's guest is because they're starting a company with that goal in mind, identifying creators up and coming that they feel can go all the way. And so this company invests in these creators. And it's different from the MCNs, the multi-channel networks back in the day. It's a lot more real. It's a lot more organic. And it just personally makes me really excited for the future of content creation on the internet abroad, but YouTube especially. And I just wanted to make sure you had that context going into today's episode Today's guest has a lot of experience. They're setting up a lot of really cool resources. And yeah, there's also just a lot of different discussion around YouTube at large to be had today. So enjoy. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Hello and welcome back to the Tube Talk podcast. My name is Dan Carson, joined as always by Mr. Rob Wilson. Hello, Mr. Dan. How are you? How is everybody? Thank you for joining us. Doing well. How are you doing, Rob? Everything everything good? Everything is good. Uh, I had a good week on YouTube. Uh, it's not often that creators say that when they're, when they're in, the, in the grind, but yeah, you had, I had a video that popped. So I'm happy my work is done for this week. You can call it early. Uh, yeah, I'm calling it early. Yeah, I'm like, I was going to release a video today and I've decided, you know what? This video that did well on the Monday, I'm going to let it breathe for the rest of the week. And and then until I call you into more podcasts, you, you can just relax. Uh, more podcasting time. There we are. <laughs> uh, I want to introduce today's guest, uh, Daniela Ali. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, I understand you have quite the gaming background. Tell us a little more about you and Oni Studios. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. So yes, I do have all of my experience, honestly, in the gaming space, which is, as I've come to find, you know, navigating through this content creation space and with Oni Studios, which I'll get to in a minute, I, I found that the gaming space is, is a, a different beast. I mean, every industry is different, but it's jarring just how different they all are. You would think that content creation, it's this umbrella term and it's like, oh, okay, there are similarities in, I don't even know. It's, it's, it's so different what a lifestyle influencer has to do to uh, be successful and what a gaming influencer has to do to be successful. And even like a beauty influencer has to do to be successful. It's so incredibly different and so many different opportunities in each category too. Um, so yes, it's really exciting and I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, dipping my feet into the other categories as I go, but so far mostly gaming. And uh, Oni Studios is a new company that my husband and I started this past 2020, August 2020, I think we, we incorporated. 
And uh, it's essentially new media content creation hub is what we're calling it. It's not any one thing. It's which is funny because, you know, I get so many questions about it and they're like, what do you guys do? What is what is the goal? And it's always difficult to answer that question because we don't yet know. It's almost like uh, it has like a life of its own. We firmly believe in, well, I firmly believe in, in creator control and in, and the creator potential. And I believe a creator has the potential on to be anything they want to be on the internet. So that's kind of how I'm crafting Oni Studios. So it's hard to, to pin it down in any one place because uh, I believe that Oni Studios can do anything that we need it to in the new media space and in the content creation space. But I guess we'll get into the specifics as we go through through this this show, huh? <laughs> uh, so, tell tell us a little bit more about about that. Then, just getting into the specifics, uh, are are other creators being in, invited into this space to uh, to try and grow? Or I, I just want to make sure I understand it. Yeah, yeah. So, essentially, what Oni Studios is like the very grand concept of it is that we want to take up and coming content creators or even create new content creators and give them all the tools they need to succeed at a very high level operationally. So we want to take promising talent that we would source ourselves. We, we, we're not taking applications or anything like that. It's more of, of us coming to you. Um, And we say, you have potential. I like what you're doing. I like your mindset. I like your personality, whatever it is, we are going to invest in you. We are going to give you these tools, this robust team, all this, you know, the, the set, this production space, this brand development, this marketing team. And let's get you to a place, the place where we know that you can shine and open up all these other avenues of revenue of, yeah, all these other revenue streams, um, because we believe that you have the potential to do that while simultaneously kind of uh, being that leading them around this, this kind of labyrinth that is the new media space. Um, We've had a lot of experience with a lot of things, contracts, uh, brand ops, the the sponsorships, uh, new social media success and the way we run our social medias and all these like backend things that people don't know or understand until they've been in those, in those, in those situations. So we're there to kind of make the, that path a little easier for these creators and look out for their best interests. Because again, as I said, the creator comes first for us. We believe that's where we see the most success, where we see the most genuine content, where we see the most passion um, and the most return on our investment. So that's pretty much it. It's, it's a very ambitious project, but we've seen so much success in the way that we have structured and, created our own brands. Uh, we've seen so much success with that model that we are willing to put all our bets on it, which is why we're starting Ona Studios and, and we're doing this whole thing. So, uh, Daniela, I would, um, w- when I hear it just from a very broad perspective, and I hope you don't take this uh, the wrong way, but it sounds similar to what might be traditionally perceived as an MCM, but I'm sure you're going to say absolutely not. We're nothing like that. We're we're well beyond that. So maybe you could just help describe like the, dif- the differences between what a multi-channel network is and what Oni Studios um, intends to be. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic question because in many ways you could try to fit Oni Studios into 
several different pegs, one being the MCN, another one being an esport organization. Yeah, that was um, the one I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and we do take inspiration from some of those models. We've seen how they work, but we realize that none of neither of those really work for the creator. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there are a lot of gaps. We have no intentions of being an e-sport um, e organization. And I personally have beef with <laughs> MCNs in general. As we many do, I think. <laughs> we don't believe in MCNs. It is the neatest way to kind of control the revenue and stuff like that. But we are not a one-size-fits-all situation. So all of our contracts are being made to be bespoke. Every single creator is different and we're not, we're not basically saying, oh, we're just going to take 20, 30, 40, whatever percent off the top of anything. It's more of a, what, what are we contributing to you that what's fair for that, for each particular project? Uh, and this goes beyond YouTube. This goes into an entire brand creation and optimization and production, really. And MCN, traditionally, they have all these grand promises um and they deliver on maybe from my experience less than 10% of whatever it is that they're saying they will um that's not what we're trying to do with onisidos onisidos is meant to be a uh like the right your right hand for your brand it's meant to be uh your confidant it's meant to be your production it's meant to be your your photographer it's meant to be your social media it's it's everything which is why i say it's very ambitious and, and the thing is about it is that it's not just this abstract concept, right? We have faces behind our every single one of our operations. We have a soon-to-be-released headline about not just this internet friend, this internet helper. We are a physical entity, and soon we'll have um, the space to show for it. And when we say production value and, and, and leading productions and, and uh, kind of... Uh, producing your content. It's not just like, oh, send us your clips. We'll edit. It's we help you either provide you or help you with your own setup. Um, or you come to our studios and we produce content together. And we have all these, we have all these great ideas, myself, my team about all this content we want to create, but we have a shortage of talent to make it happen because so far all we have is say for PK, which is not all we have, because I mean, he is, quite <laughs> large and just him alone has uh, him and his subsidiary brands have been enough to occupy us full time. But we, we see beyond that. We want to, we want additional talent. We want more robust categories. Really. We want more than just gaming. So. I just want to add a quick show note here that although we've very briefly talked about MCNs now, um, I think we've done a full podcast on this uh, when Leron was uh, hosting. So do check that out. And then I just want to ask a quick follow-up question, Daniela, about um, whether it was remote-based or you're going to have physical studios. But it sounds like you're going to have you're going to offer services for both of these situations where you might be sending out equipment to people who are um, like in a different country or on other occasions. You're going to have this because I, I think about when uh, some people offer out their houses to like a group of TikTok influencers and they're just living in that house. You're going to have maybe a similar setup in terms of like a, a gaming fortress or something that's really going to help uh, such creators. 
Yeah, uh, we actually are really big fans of uh, content creator house concept. Right, um, right. It's very popular in the gaming space, and we feel like it's really fun. Um, and uh, there's a lot of uh, upside potential for it. Obviously, there's a lot of <laughs> risky uh, <laughs> factors to it. But yeah. uh, from a content creation and and from actually more importantly, from an audience perspective, there's few things that can top a content house, honestly, in, ter- in terms of entertainment. Um, so we're definitely uh, thinking on that. Um, but yes, we will be offering remote and fi- like uh, local services as well. Yeah. It's, it's a hybrid, really. We can't, we can't do a one size fits all, like I yeah. said. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's channel audit tool, a sort of report card for how your YouTube channel has been performing. When you're in your YouTube studio, the channel audit tool can be found on the left-hand side once you've installed vidIQ on either your Chrome or Firefox browser. As long as you've authenticated your channel, clicking on channel audit will give you a bird's eye view of your videos from the last 30, 60, or even 90 days. I personally use this tool to look for patterns with my content. What types of videos are currently getting the most views per hour? Which videos drove a lot of viewers to subscribe? What types of videos are my competitors creating and how do mine compare? What are the search terms bringing people to my channel in the first place? And if this is sounding like a lot of questions, well, that's probably because I ask too many questions. But that's why I love this tool, because I can get answers to all of them and more. You can access the channel audit tool for free when you download the vidIQ extension at vidIQ.com. So just for anyone listening, I do want to get into questions about how to get to this level. But I got to ask, just while we're on the subject... If I am a creator and I've been going at it for a while, and I know this is so new for you, you probably don't have any specifics, but maybe you do. What are some of the criteria you look for in a creator that you you would consider bringing on and investing in? Of course. So the size of their following has probably the least to do with it. Um, Because what I'm looking for is potential. I'm not looking for already established creators. Um, That's a whole other beast. So your following is... Obviously, there has to be something there. Um, I would say in the in the thousands and the YouTube subscribers and you know uh, a presence on social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever. But more importantly, what we're looking for is are people who show passion for their craft, whatever their craft may be in the future. I think right now we're focusing on gaming, as I said. So passion for gaming, passion for entertaining people, uh, a personality type that that meshes well with mass audiences. So, you know, funny, maybe you're really funny, maybe you're really sarcastic, maybe you're really smart or witty, you know, something, this, this wow factor from a personal point of view that is going to resonate with mass audiences. Um, And I think equally as important is the, the hunger for the success and for the hard work, because it is extremely hard to operate at this level. So it's, it's, we haven't, uh, that's actually a project that we're tackling at the end of this year is kind of starting to look for our first creators, but there's so much talent out there. There's so much incredible talent out there that we really want to see flourish. I I think, I don't think we'll have a a shortage of, of talent to go through. I think every day, every day, there's more channels starting up. Uh, you know, uh, shorts, I think, has blown that up even more. Uh, oh, definitely. Not even just for the gaming space. So let, let's just shift gears then a little bit and talk about growing a gaming channel just in general. Uh, so what would it take to produce 
high quality content. And, it, you know, just I'm, I'm thinking now about creators who have either just started or they're thinking about starting. What sort of advice, you know, would you have for them? Okay, yes. Um, so it's about setting realistic expectations and also setting goals and chipping at them however slowly or however you need to. Um, there's there's two sort of uh, models that I've seen is, or not models, archetypes. There's the, there's the viral superstar and then there's like the slow grinders, right? I think that's, that can be said about anything really. Um, but in, in the gaming space and content creation, sometimes people have a stroke of luck and, ha- and get in the right circles, get in the right uh, stream or getting the right YouTube collaboration, whatever it is. And uh, it's overnight stardom, right? And you can do a lot with that. Um, now that's a one in a million chance, if, if not less. So we're just going to discount that. And we're going to assume that all of us are going to have to work really hard for it. For example, Cypher um, had to work really hard for it. He's, he's been a content creator since 2013, 2012, 2013. It, most of us are going to have to grind for it. And so you're going to have to chip at it. it. It's hard in this current climate and just in this day and age where it feels like everyone is going viral. And if you're not going viral immediately, you're failing. And there's a very uh, instant, sat- like immediate satisfaction kind of aspect to it that a lot of people expect that is just not realistic. So yeah, chipping at it slowly, keeping your head in the, in the game, uh, not getting discouraged from, you know, uh, low engagement, lack of views, whatever, just analyze what you're doing, see how you can improve a little, one thing, one small thing every single time and just pivot and keep pivoting until you hit the right spot. And any growth is good growth. If you're not growing, then you know, you get curious, you ask yourself, why, what could I be doing? Is this, is this the most effective use of my time? Should I be leveraging maybe my Twitter since I have an, an extra hundred followers on Twitter versus YouTube? And so it's just a lot of fine tuning like that. Um, I, I think that's the biggest hang up that a lot of aspiring content creators have is that they, they really get discouraged about that lack of viral pop off. And I, I, that's one thing that I want to, that I want to share definitely is like, a lot of people are banking on just going viral and then, whoa, you're successful. But if you're not building that foundation before you hit that viral moment, whether you get a viral moment or not is not going to matter because you're not going to be able to capitalize off of it. So it's best to stop trying to hit that viral moment, build something sustainable, and that's worthwhile for people to stick around for when you do hit that viral moment, which odds are that you, you if you're consistent about your content creation, you will get one notable moment at some point that will draw people to you, to your channels, to your, to your socials. Um, and then they'll see something worthwhile to stick around for, you know, that's really, that's really the goal here, building something, um, some backlog of content for people to, to draw to when, when you do get discovered. Uh, I'd love your opinion on this, uh, Daniela. Um, Dan and I, we do channel audits, um, and we've, at this point, audited hundreds of gaming channels. And I think this is our opinion combined with experience in that we generally feel that a lot of gaming creators make uh, content as if they're already well-known, well-established. And that means they do Let's Plays and things that are almost about the, the gamer's experience of playing something. 
uh, and how they would interact with an audience. But we tend to suggest that, unfortunately, as a smaller channel, maybe 100, under 100 subscribers, right now, unfortunately, nobody cares about you as a gamer yet. And so what we tend to recommend is more searchable content and that's how you may get discovered to begin with so that might be tutorials how to's pitching the videos like that to the audience but once a viewer is in the video then the personality of the gamer can really uh, shine through so i'm just wondering if you agreed with that or disagreed because i mean it, we could change our our general guidance here depending on, on your thoughts Oh, no, most definitely. I, I think Let's Plays are the absolute worst place to start. Uh, oh, we've got to clip gaming. that, Dan. We've got to clip yes, that. That's they're, a headline statement. <laughs> they're, they're the worst place to start. It's so saturated. It's yeah. extremely saturated. Um, and exactly as you said, no one uh, respectfully cares about yeah. you playing the game. Um, you have to build that community, that that audience connection for them to care about you doing something as mundane as playing a game in, in relative terms uh, to like all the other content playing a game strict is just pretty mundane. Um, I agree. You, you need to jump on trending topics. I think that is another aspect of, of trying to grow is, is it's one thing to be a trailblazer and blah, 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 do your own thing and set the trends that happens at a very high level though. You're not going to be a small content creator and be a trailblazer more than likely that is not going to be you. Um, so the best bet is to find those that those trending topics on YouTube and recreate those. Uh, couple that with your personality, you know, the production value as much as you can. And eventually hitting those trending topics, you will gain traction. It's just, it's just the way YouTube works. But if you're creating content, uh, gaming content for something that's three years old or what, no one's going to be searching for that. You're not going to show up on any searches. So yeah, try to find stuff that's current, that's relevant, that people are hungry for. For example, when Among Us popped off, you know, when there's a lot of uh, pop-off moments that are possible in gaming because there's a lot of trendy games and a lot of trending topics, one good video and you could, you could gain a few hundred subscribers to get you a, a consistent concurrent viewership. So yeah. Trending topics is 100% the way to go. I wouldn't do anything else. We, we tell a lot of creators who come to us and say, you know, what what am I doing wrong? I'm, I'm, I'm following all of your advice. I'm, I'm following the path set before me by so many others. And yeah, we generally see that. We generally see Let's Plays. And the advice I tend to give is, listen, Let's Plays are a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's cool to sit down and play a game, just playing a game and giving some commentary. And I've always said, if you need practice, if you're just trying to learn your editing software, if you're just trying to, you know, get your chops, sure. But you got to go into that with expectations. You can't expect people to find that in search because every day, how many thousands of less plays do we think are being uploaded? I mean, probably just an uncountable number. So that's a big number. Um, <laughs> last week, we talked to BlockFax. And I don't know if you know, if you're familiar with, uh, with him, but he started a Minecraft channel using just shorts, just giving facts about blocks in Minecraft. And it was a way to take a game that is so saturated, so popular, and find a way to cover it that no one else is doing. I think a lot of people start with games like Minecraft, games like Fortnite, and it's because they see creators like Cypher, you know, like BlockFacts, you know, dominating these spaces, having a lot of fun doing it. What's your take on that? What's your take on starting with a game that is already 
not just a household name, but it's just reached this next level of like stickiness. Minecraft is over 10 years old now and it's not going anywhere anytime soon, in my opinion. Yeah, um, that's actually something my husband Cypher talks about constantly because he gets a lot of questions about, oh, how do I how do I grow my stream or my YouTube or uh, how do I become a Fortnite you know, content creator, famous on Fortnite, whatever. And we are on the same mindset, him and I, that it's honestly a bit of a waste of people's time to go into an extremely saturated game. Um, just as it's a waste of your time to go into a, an extremely saturated topic, like let's play. Now, not to say waste of your time, like, oh, don't bother doing it, doing anything at all. But more of how can you use that time more effectively to get yourself more traction, more followers, more, more, whatever it may be. Um, I think putting a spin on things is for sure a great way to, to start getting more original content and more of like a, a better following and things like that. But it, I, I don't think that stuff applies until you have some sort of following, like making, making different type of content is no one's searching for that. So you need to have a, a pre-existing subscriber count or viewer base to be able to tap into that market. So we always suggest people to, with with games that are extremely saturated, maybe maybe start if you're like if your focus is on gaming and not just like a particular title, start with a game that has less uh, has less saturation, but is maybe a little bit more is still current. So something like. GTA, there's a lot of like role playing um, in in GTA, and it's really really fun, and people really enjoy it. But it's not as saturated as Fortnite. I mean, there's like, or Minecraft, there's like thousands, if not millions, of people. I don't know, trying to create content for those. But maybe only a few hundred, or maybe almost like a little less than a thousand, trying to create GTA content. Right? Um, I think it, it has to do with setting your your goals. If you want to be a Minecraft content creator, that's another thing. If you want to be a Fortnite content creator, that's a whole other thing. Um, but if you're trying to just tap into gaming content creation, I think your time is more effectively used in, in smaller titles that, that could get you some sort of traction. If you're starting from zero, you know what I mean? I think that's the smartest way to go. But for a game like Fortnite, which is really what we specialize in, right, is your best bet on starting your content creation is going to be... Um, going into competitive and making a name for yourself um, as a competitor, which is a, is a very common path that a lot of young country creators take is, is kind of buckling down on the competitive aspect of games. Cause that's a lot less saturation, right? Yeah. But then you have to have the skill set, And, and that's the other thing about gaming is like, you have to beyond having content creation talents, you have to have the skill set to play the game well, so, I mean, it's so, there's so many layers to it, right? It's, it's kind of crazy now that I'm talking about it. <laughs> there's actually a lot of layers to it. Because that's another thing you kind of touched on too is, you know, you said Minecraft is is a whole different thing than Fortnite and things like that. It got me thinking too, the other big piece of advice Rob and I are always giving gaming creators is you you got to niche down. You got to start somewhere. And there's this, I don't want to call it a problem, but a natural progression for a lot of channels is that once they get to a certain level, they can start to play other games. They can even do vlogs. They can just do other things on the channel. And the example that gets brought up all the time is PewDiePie. And they're like, well, look at PewDiePie. So I can do whatever I want. 
They're like, well, maybe one day you can do whatever you want. You know, what I wanted to ask you uh, with that in mind is when, if at all, do you think would be the right time to niche out? You know, you, you're starting a channel. The obvious advice is start small. When when do you start to split off? If that's what your ultimate goal is. Uh, that's a great question because we we are constantly thinking about that. That is that is the the way to establish a brand, not just a channel, but that's the way you establish a brand is diversification, which is my number one thing that's always on my mind. How do I diversify? our content, our business, our team, everything. So how do you do that? I mean, the thing is, a lot of people think of this content creation and influencing as like this free for all, which I mean, it is kind of, but uh, that like, oh, I can do whatever I want and I'll be successful kind of thing. There, th- Yes, but there are rules to it. So if you have garnered a following, let's say on Minecraft, and that's, that's what people follow you for. That's what people are passionate about. And so they're, they want to watch you. If you just cold Turkey start trying to upload, inject additional content in there, you're going to lose that audience uh, because they're there for Minecraft or they're not, they're not there for you or they're not there for Fortnite or whatever it is. Right. So that equation to me always starts with audience engagement and uh, an audience connection they need to be attached to you, not your content, not your game, to you. And again, how do you do that? Audience interaction, the community tab on YouTube, replying to comments on your video, Twitter, Instagram, lives, you know, Twitch. Um, there's so many that you you have to, people need to get to know you and people need to like you to want to follow you into other categories. Now at a micro scale, you know, when you're in like the hundreds or like single thousand digits of of subscribers on YouTube, that's pretty doable, right? I mean, you, you have like a a, a much smaller audience relative to it, but as you scale, you know, get these creators with millions and millions of viewers, it's, it's much harder to, to make that direct audience connection, but it's something that needs to be constantly worked on because if you treat your audience as just like a number that's all they're going to be. They're not really, they're, they're going to be a number on that video. And then that, that number is not going to follow you into another category. So yeah, that's, that's what I always champion is that audience connection and that, that really genuine connection from the, with the creator with that. That's why content creators are so special now. And so coveted is, is because the audience feels connected to, to another person that's seemingly unreachable but not like a movie star you know they're they talk to you they they engage with you they they, you have a connection with these people so yeah develop your community develop your audience um on a personal level and then start kind of venturing out now the whole strategy to um diversifying your content is a whole other topic you know that you get into the youtube algorithm uh, what, how are you going to tackle this new content? Are you going to make a new channel? Are you going to make a schedule, like scheduled content? Are you going to, how are you going to do this? So that there's multiple layers to that as well. It's, it's, uh, probably the most, (laughs) I'm going to say frustrating part of, of auditing channels every week. Isn't it Rob? Just, just seeing that repetition of like, Oh, another channel gaming channel. And we don't know what the focus is. And it's it's so important because we all we all love to diversify our content. The example I always give is, 
you know, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it to a podcast example, actually. This is a podcast about YouTube growth and growing a YouTube channel. But if we suddenly wanted to start talking about this great new lawn care product that's just, you know, oh, my gosh, mowing my lawn's never been easier. And we went on for at length for that for a whole episode. People would rightly be confused and they'd probably come back when we were talking about YouTube again. You know? I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty confident I can make that work. Down <laughs> try. I now now I want to try it just because I'm here. Next week, <laughs> you know that's exactly right. It really is. You people, there. It's it's funny though because you always have exceptions to the rule, so it's hard to yeah. be like, oh, don't do this ever. And sometimes you only see the exceptions to the rules, which makes it sound like anybody can do it. Right, right. Like there's so there's some content creators, a handful of content creators that have such a strong audience connection. They literally could sit there for an hour and talk about lawn care and they would have millions of viewers. They're like, oh <laughs> yes, tell me more. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. But what are all those creators who are able to just do whatever? What do they have in common? Is they have the strongest communities. They have the strongest communities. That's where they started. I not, and none of these creators, I don't I don't care what anybody says. All of these creators that can do whatever they want, they started with one single niche one single category uh for pewdiepie i believe that was that minecraft i think it was horror actually it was horror it was horror yes it was but okay pewdiepie doesn't count because he is he is an anomaly he started with youtube he it's just he's grandfathered into anything literally anything so um but more current people uh like i mean i don't know in the gaming space you know cypher pk for one tifu tim the tap man uh, you know, Mr. Fresh Asian, they all started in one category, one category. They weren't, none of these people started and, and were like jumping from one game to another, or one type of content to another. And, and people just stuck around. They started, you know, for Cypher, it was his educational commentaries for Tifu, It was his competitive gameplay, um, which, you know, they both did that for a really long time. I think it was like a year or two, that they were only doing that type of content. And and then, you know, they built their audience that way and they built that audience connection. And then they were able to kind of diversify. So yeah, you can't, you can't just, it's not a entirely no rules place. You, there are rules and the rules are that you have to keep your audience's engagement and attention by showing them what they, what they came for, which is whatever you've been, they, they came to your channel for. Yeah. Do you think there are some, key elements to building a community then uh, we, you can uh, talk about a uh, cypher as, a, as an example it was educational content to begin with mm-hmm. uh, was there a light bulb moment where you were able to transition to um, more community-based content or was it uh, usually it's gradual I always ask this question and it's like there is there was no light bulb moment it was just over time it evolved from education to personality content which allowed the creator to expand their topics on their channel but i'm just curious if there were any you have any specific points about community building uh yeah there was really no light bulb moment however it's i do have to kind of preface all this by saying that it's we're in a bit of a unique place not alone i mean it's it's pretty common in the gaming space where we have the live stream component of this whole thing which to me is the number one way to establish that audience connection. It's literally a direct feed, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, just back and forth. Um, so for us, it's always been an 
ever present is that audience because he has that daily, daily interaction with them. So it was a no brainer for us always. Um, But yeah, no, no light bulb moment. It's always been how, how do we keep people entertained? How do we show them that we appreciate them showing up? And there are tools, there's so many tools, so many free tools that you can, you have to be able to kind of do these things. Discord for one is like the number one for me is discord is invaluable with, with how (laughs) the opportunity that you have to uh, connect with your audience. And, and that keeps that, you know, it, it gives people a reason to stick around your sphere uh, beyond that 10 minute video, 15 minute video, right? Uh, people on discord develop their own communities, their own ties, their own relationships. And then you get a lot of content from that as well. I mean, all these are not just, they're not like dead ends at all. They're every single string that you, that you throw out to attach to your community is a potential revenue stream as well. I mean, it's, it's so incredibly interesting. Um, it goes beyond just establishing a connection. So when you establish that connection, you have uh, you have that communication, that open communication. You have this other platform to be able to monetize, whether it be ad revenue, sponsorships, brand deals. And when people are, and, and if you keep your your integrity and your you kind of your integrity ever present when you're conducting business, and I mean that to say mostly like when you're doing brand deals. So exactly like you said, Dan not really pushing a lawn care product when you're gaming, we wouldn't push, you know, a product we don't like, or we don't use uh, on our brand deals. We only take brand deals that we are passionate about, that we can actually endorse, that we feel are ethical for our community. And and people want to buy those products or get those products because they have a connection with Cypher and because they trust them. They built that, that kind of community engagement, that, that connection to be able to, do those things and have successful brand deals. So, so it goes beyond just your YouTube views. It's, it really scales at every aspect of your brand. Just jumping on the discord for a really quick second and using that as an example here. Cause I, when I think community building, especially for gaming, uh, sorry, discord, I know you're trying not to just be about gaming anymore, but when I, I they're the first to come to mind, you know, the, it's, it's second to none when you, when you want to get a connection with your audience outside of whatever platform you're using, whether it's Twitch or YouTube, is there is there a right or even wrong time to be starting a Discord? And and what are some things people should know when they use a community building tool like that to use it most effectively? I don't think there's ever a wrong time to start a Discord. Um, I, it comes down to time, honestly. As you grow, it gets easier. But at first, it's going to be you lugging most of that responsibility and most of that weight. You're not going to have very many mods, if any at all. Um, it's going to be grueling to kind of get people to stay because you're going to have to be the one driving that engagement. Uh, but as you grow, if your content grows, even slowly, you'll grow that community. So I think having it from the start um, is is smart. I mean, it can it can't hurt. It's not like it you can't trend on Discord. You can't. I, I mean, it's just there. You know, um, it's a way for your audience to uh, keep you engaged. I, the there's so many wonderful tools on discord mainly the bots you know it's outside from the chatting and stuff like that discord is another way to um maintain kind of object permanence in in your audience's mind so you have your twitter you have your instagram let's say and you're pushing out new video tweets or whatever um maybe people have twitter 
notifications turned off. Maybe they have Instagram notifications turned off, whatever. Discord also allows you to have bots that will post all your social media activity. So you could have a bot that says new video link here or a synopsis of your video or whatever, how, whatever format you want it to, to showcase. You can push out those new video notifications. You can push out your tweets. You can push out like absolutely everything. You can keep your audience in the loop much more clearly than you would on any other social media. And, and customization on Discord is incredible as well. So you can always uh, customize it to suit your your preference or your audience's preferences or your community, whatever. I think it's really great. I mean, uh, our Discord, the Cypher PK Discord, has always been like, I started with that as, as my priority. I was like, I have to get this right. Like, I know this is the way to go. I think we have something like 30,000 concurrent chatters and things and, and, and like a hundred thousand, almost a hundred thousand members. And we have, it, it's developed into this ecosystem. It wasn't like that at first at all. I mean, it, it, it really evolves on its own. And these people that are part of the community on discord kind of feed into all of our other socials um, that, and, and it help us create more content as well. So it's just this, this incredible cycle. It is literally a living ecosystem. It just builds itself. It repairs itself. It, it branches out itself. Um, we have we have such a broad community that we have a lot of different categories and channels to engage in. So we have like art channels. We have gaming channels. We have beauty channels. We have like, I think it's like a study room channel where people can get help with their homework. It's just, it's incredible. It really is so incredible for community building. So I always recommend it. Always. So a lot of excellent advice there on starting out as a gaming channel and growing a community, all these things essential for, you know, getting to that, that upper level uh, and uh, hopefully turning your YouTube channel, if this is your goal, turning it into a business, you know, around whatever it is you do. And, and let's just talk really quick about some tips around, on, around that, you know, what once, so let's just assume that everybody who's listening to this paused the podcast, they went and did all those things, right? And now <laughs> Six months later. Yeah. Now they're picking back up here. They're like, I really want to start a business. I want to do it right. You know, what, what are some of the things that they could be doing uh, out of the gate? Uh, what are some pitfalls? What are some things you've seen, mistakes you've seen? Oh my gosh. I could have talk another five hours about this. So <laughs> YouTube is is awesome. And I, I know a lot about it, but I know a lot more about the business side of, of influencing and content creation and things like that. That's, that's my passion. <laughs> Gosh, where to start? I said uh, real quick, but I apologize. As <laughs> long as you need. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, I'll make it as brief as I can. Cause there is a lot to say here. So to start out and, and we're talking, I, I don't think it's worthwhile to approach this as a business until you have uh, some sort of audience base, whether that be, you know, I, I would say in the thousands of viewers, uh, when you're no, I'm not even going to put a viewer number on it until you're getting a sustainable amount of money, which I, to, to me, I would say like something that's going to put you in a different tax bracket. That's when you should start really thinking of it as a business or hit a tax bracket, I guess. Um, otherwise you're kind of just wasting your efforts and your money because it does take a, a startup money to, to start your business and to start different things. But once you do, if, if this is like your full-time job and, and so YouTube and your other revenue streams, whether it be like the TikTok creator program, or you have like affiliate links. So there's a bunch of different things you could do to, to get revenue um, as you grow. And even if you only have thousands of subscribers, which is a lot, 
you could have five other avenue, revenue streams that could put you into like a full-time position uh, kind of income. That's when you want to start thinking of this as a business. And so I would say, first of all, get your business set up uh, in your local state, right? In your state. Um, that's going to cost you a few hundred bucks, but it's a worthwhile investment for all your tax breaks and things like that. And then the second most important thing is track your expenses. I know that's really intimidating and really it's no one likes to do that, <laughs> but we have to do it. I, I always recommend a free program like Mint that can you can kind of put your accounts into and it'll track your expenses just so that you know kind of what you're spending and just an overall budget view. But keep your receipts and then maximize your, uh, your tax write-offs. There's a lot of free content out there that it's on YouTube. Like I've noticed in the past like two years that breaks down all your tax incentives and tax breaks as a content creator. So there's a ton of really great resources out there for that. And that's, those are like my number two. They're very boring, but the, to your point, Dan, uh, of like how, what the pitfalls that I've seen, those two very basic boring items, you will not believe the amount of content creators in the millions of followers and viewers that do not even do that, those, those, those same ones. And then you start running into like tax problems. Like it is insane. It is actually insane how much of a problem that is, which is another thing Oni Studios is tackling is like the business development side of the content creation. That's, that's where I'm passionate about, like I said, and uh, I'm building our program I'm building that business development as an integral part of our content creation program. So this next question, by the way, is sponsored by the Grassmaster 3000. If you need your lawn manicuring <laughs> uh, through AI powered machinery while you sleep, then get the Grassmaster 3000. Uh, Dan Danielle, we talked about um, you go from an individual to perhaps making a career or a business out of, YouTube. But yeah, I think you're on to the next step now. You've gone from content creation to empire building uh, in, in that sense of now trying to give uh, hand back all of your knowledge and your, some of your resources to other creators to, I guess, enable them to take the next step. Uh, so I know you're, you're very early on in this uh, venture, um, but I guess when when did you collectively decide that you were going to do this. You had the confidence to do this. And, you know, what do you think the, the challenges are from going from maybe like the, the top 10% of creators who are earning a living out of this to maybe the top 0.1% creators who are now potentially bringing on a lot of people. You start to have employees and all of those type of scary complications from just being somebody who wants to play games on YouTube to now this. Oh, man. So the we actually... Okay. So my husband and I have something great in common. He is the performer. He's the content creator and he loves entertaining people and making content and just taking risks with that. Right. And, and being sort of different. I thrive in that same mindset on, in a different space, which is the business development space. And so he takes risks. He's like, let's do this. I want to do this crazy thing. I want to do this other crazy thing, whatever. Uh, for my content, for my YouTube, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to do this crazy thing, which is starting this business. And I want to do this other crazy thing, which is starting another business. And uh, so we're both like really ambitious. And and we're, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm this super seasoned vet that has like all the information. Um, I'm not, I'm still learning. It's like, oh, I know a ton, I which is why I'm in the position that I'm in right now and why I want to 
kind of share this this uh, knowledge with with others. But I'm still very much learning as I go, and I'm very experimental and very curious about what I what I do and how this space functions. I, I feel like that's such an exciting part of this space is just just how much you can do. Like there's, it feels like there's no limit to mm. what you can explore, what you can be. And I love that. I knew that I wanted to do something like this probably about a year and a half ago. So when I started this, I started helping my husband with his stream in 2017 uh, with the onset of Fortnite. He started kind of like blowing up, which has a whole, was a whole strategy on its own on his part. Um, but then we, we noticed that he just he was the content creator and he was doing great and blah, blah, blah. But the business side of things, it was getting so incredibly difficult for him to handle. He was, he's not prepared. Honestly, usually the people who are very successful entertainers aren't necessarily the best entrepreneurs, (laughs) let's say. Right. So there's that gap, right there. It's going to be very rare where you find somebody who's, who's good at business and good at, at at, you know, being a professional or whatever, running a business and also great at entertaining people and being entertaining. Um, those are generally mutually exclusive. So then I started helping him in 2017. And then it kind of just snowballed into this whole thing where I had to quit my job and, and come and do this full time. And then I was like, okay, so since I'm doing this full time, uh, I will do it my way. And I'm pretty nitpicky about certain things about the way I do business. And then I just started tidying up all our accounts, all our business and and just making it nice and proper. And through that, I, I learned a lot of different things. Uh, I did a lot of, I don't do negotiations. I'm not an agent. Um, but you know, uh, seeing all the contracts that were coming in and, and talking to our agents and all this stuff. And I got a lot of experience, a lot of experience. And for somebody with a business oriented mindset, you see a lot of gaps, you see a lot of potential. And then I noticed that people started coming to me for advice. I mean, a lot of really prominent creators were, were coming to me for like, Hey, I noticed you helped Cypher with this, or you did this, or Cypher has this thing going on. How did you do that? Or I got this contract, I got this offer. What do you think of it? Blah, blah, blah. And I've helped a lot of creators that way, like countless creators that way. Um, and then I know I realized that like my knowledge was something that was quite valuable to other people. And then kind of in this crazy, what was it? Uh, in August of 2020, I was like, you know what? Why don't I make a business out of this? Like I, I have my, I, it was a lot of catching up for Cypher PK because he, he was growing way beyond our britches, right? Like the the brand. Um, once I got Cypher PK to a place where I felt like I could take a little bit of a step back, then I decided, you know, I'm going to start my own thing. And that was the moment. And then we started with two employees, myself and my sister, who a marketing graduate at the time. And then uh, the first month we, we got two additional employees. So we started with four in August. Um, and now eight months in or nine months in, can't do math. Um, math is not my strong suit. <laughs> uh, we have we have 19 full-time employees working for us. Um, wow, it's pretty quick then, isn't it? It is yeah. very quick. But that just, that just shows you that kind of there is so much room. I mean, it's not like we've grown. I think through through this the onset of Oni Studios, we have been able to grow the revenue streams, Cypher PK revenue streams by 67% from year to date. That is an incredible number. So as you scale with the right experience and with the right kind of direction, um, it's, you're not losing money. It is, 
you're getting a return on that investment. And, and um, I just want to help creators do this. I mean, there's not, there's never a shortage of work, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of missed opportunities for creators because they just don't have the manpower. There's only, they, they're only one person, but having a team, even just a team of three people could enable a creator to go from, you know, 1 million subscribers to 3 million subscribers and not just the subscribers, but all uh, develop a bunch of different facets of their business. So it's not about, it's not, uh, once you get to a certain point as, as a creator and, and your like popularity, it's not about, oh, can you go further? It's how can we make you, how do we make you get to a place where you need to be? And that's always, always with the team. None of the large creators that you see do it alone. None of them. And you'd be surprised to learn how many of the very like down to earth uh, content creators that you think are just like your pals messing around on YouTube have like teams of 10, 20 people behind them. It's, it's, it's incredible. It is really incredible. And what I want to do with NRC is also break down that barrier and show people that this is serious. Like you have to take the, the, once you get to it, you have the potential to get to a certain point where this, you are in like big leagues and big, big leagues don't look like sitting around watching TV and then jumping on stream. It looks like a seven to seven job, photo shoots, traveling, like great, great life, really exciting life. But it's, it's like work. It is work in the best way because it's serving the creator, right? You're building something for yourself. You're not building something for somebody else. And that's another thing I really like about this is that we're building the people and not not the corporations or, I mean, the people. I'm a people person. So yeah, I mean, I that was a lot. I kind of jumped all over the place, but it, it's so exciting. It really is. I, but like I said, I could talk for five hours about this. So and this is always the follow-up question I have when people start to have employees and then there's like a division of labor. How is it being giving up control? Because uh, I always feel as if for the, the individual creator that they've built something from the ground up, it can be a, a bit of a challenge just to hand off pieces of things that they're really protective of. Or has it been relatively easy? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. That is always the hardest part because... It, and you are 100% valid in thinking that, well, I've done it so far mm, and yeah. I've got the success. How can somebody else do that? Like, I, I don't want my product to, I don't want to dilute my product or whatever. Um, totally valid. And <laughs> it's really hard. Even for me, I'm a total control freak. I want to, I feel like only I can do things the best way that I want to do them. But I've, I found a workaround for that. Um, and that's preparation. You, you want to, be intentional with how you're dividing your labor, how you're compart compartmentalizing is a huge part of it. Um, making processes is a huge part of it. I'm really big on, on creating processes. I have guidelines for everything. That way there's no miscommunication about what my expectations are and what I, I expect, you know, you to, to deliver and, and creating processes that work for you as a creator and work for your content. I mean, nobody, you shouldn't be, think hopefully you shouldn't be hiring people that are just gonna be like, no, that's not, that's not how I want to do things. Like employees work, how they're, how they are taught to work. Right. Mm. I think it, it is definitely a, a leap of faith. There is no, you, and I've learned this the hard way. There is no time that will feel like the right time. It, it will always be like, Oh, once I get this done or once I do this, or once I hit this, 
then I'll do it. Then I'll, when you like need the help now and you're like, oh, well I have to focus on this and maybe they won't do this right. It's never going to be the right time in, in regards to like you being under pressure and then waiting for it to be the right time. Right. Uh, once you have the income to do so, I a hundred percent think that some, that every, every single content creator, once they get to the, the right income should at least have an assistant and then add to the team accordingly. And it also helps you out on your taxes. I mean, it's really great. It, it, it's really great. But the equation is when properly managed, when your team is properly managed, they will, like I said, you are not taking a loss. You are only gaining, you're only gaining, whether that be brand equity, revenue, whatever it is, they're going to produce more. You're only one person. You only have two hands, one head, having two additional people it could potentially up your revenue times two because they're going to be able to tackle a lot of that. And even if not, if you have the money to be able to hire an assistant, just to give you the peace of mind to not be doing like the monotonous, like tasks that you hate doing, who wouldn't want that? So you could like create content for six, eight hours a day and then go home and lay by the pool or something while your assistant takes care of your emails, takes care of whatever that is a worthwhile investment in your quality of life as well. So there's just so many upsides there. Um, I see a lot of creators hesitant about expanding their team because of, you know, they want to maintain control, which is valid, but also because they just feel like they don't need it. Most of them do. Most of them do. Yeah. So I, I may, I may even be speaking for Rob here, but I know for me, I think we could talk to you for another, like you said, for another five hours about <laughs> all this. Uh, we, we are definitely at time though. And uh, before we go, I just want to ask if there's, any final thoughts and uh, anywhere you want to help those listening, uh, you know, anywhere they can go to find you? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you can learn more about Oni Studios at onistudios.gg. Side note, the GG is just like a like a term used in gaming, good game. So it, a lot of orgs and stuff use GG. Oh, I think it would have been better if you put onistudios.f in the chat. I think that would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been, yeah. Oh man, I haven't heard, I haven't heard that in a minute. I'm in the chat. Great. Um, Maybe it's still available. I might do a demand search now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can find us at onisudos.gg. Um, and we're also looking for great talent as part of our team, not content creation, um, but as as part of our employees. We're looking for. We're constantly hiring. We're expanding constantly, and we're always looking for creative, passionate people. And, you know, I have a Twitter, you know, I will not share my Twitter because my Twitter is just kind of not, not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find more about us at onisudios.gg and uh, keep a lookout for us because we will be making some major headlines in the next six months for sure. I do not doubt that for a minute. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right, guys. Thank you so much for having me. We don't get to do this often, but we got a review from somebody on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for leaving us a review. Uh, they're they're called "Can't Get a Car or Nickname," and I, I do hope I do hope those problems are remedied for you soon. The they said phenomenal show, great job taking over the podcast, guys. This was a great show. Love the content. One of your best ever. I'm not sure which episode they're referring to. This was. I think it's just all March. of them since we've taken over. Done. I'm just gonna just like a blanket statement of the podcast since uh the the terror regime of liron ended highly Liron, <laughs> if you're listening by the way <laughs> terror regime my goodness we no, we love liron and uh i, I don't i don't endorse what you just we'll said we'll have to get him back no. on soon uh, as a guest 
Yes. Yes. We'll have to maybe do some podcast trading with him. We'll jump on his show. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so what's what's the latest, Rob? Yeah. So um, welcome to what we're going to call the, the Tube Talk Podcast Extra. Uh, we're going to um, just try and talk about maybe some current events in YouTube and make it a bit more interactive. Uh, so first, we're going to look at a couple of new stories. We're not going to, going to go into too, in too much detail, but just to keep you abreast here uh, for you listeners. Uh, we're now into June, at least June as we're recording this. Um, one of the big things that YouTube has been trying to remind creators of in the last few months are changes to their tax policies, whereby uh, due to US laws, uh, you now have to submit tax information about your channel so as not to be taxed on all of your YouTube content. So let me just give you the brief example here. As long as you submit your tax information to your AdSense accounts, uh, which is connected to your YouTube channel, then going forward, you will only be taxed on US revenue on your video. So if viewers are watching your content in the US and there are ads, uh, you'll be charged, I think it's like 30% on those ads. Now, that sounds bad. However, if you do absolutely nothing, then YouTube may blanket tax all of your content at a 24% rate. So if you haven't done this yet and you're in the YouTube Partner Program and all of a sudden you're seeing some really crazy numbers that are impacting your revenue, then you'll need to do some research on YouTube's new US tax policies that came into effect, I think, on June the 1st. Um, yeah, what, what just general thoughts on that, Dan? I mean, everybody loses a little bit on this, I guess, from the from a previous way that tax was uh, enforced on YouTube, but you don't want to be hit with this 24% blanket tax on all of your content. No, no, I would not want to be hit with that. I, I think... As with any any change like this, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I don't want to say outrage. I haven't seen any outrage, but I think there's a lot of hesitation to embrace it. But when, when a platform grows and, and when laws kind of catch up to this new media, you know, space we're in, this, this just happens. This is just part of it. And I, I think to me, as long as you submit your tax information, it sounds like a fair way to do it, you know, where we're making sure everybody is on the up and up they're paying their taxes and you know it's it's just as a u.s creator it's i i guess this is one change that it's nice i don't have to worry about oh yeah i should add that for, <laughs> for u.s creators you shouldn't be directly impacted because you already submit your tax information to the u.s government i'm saying in quotation marks uh that's what you should be doing if you're in the u.s so this is more for people outside of the u.s who have to Make sure that they submit their tax forms. Uh, but YouTube explains it all in explainer videos, and we've done some content on it in the past. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, if there has to be something taxed for, for non US creators, this is the best way to do it. Definitely get that information in. And uh, I think it's something to be celebrated, honestly, that YouTube is only getting bigger, YouTube's only getting more successful. And yes, there's growing pains with that, but I think it's all good, all good signs. Mm. And I think, uh, as you were saying, it was outraged to begin with. And I guess naive, uninformed creators assume this was another way of YouTube to try and 
claw back some revenue or you know, steal your income. But ultimately, this is a law at a uh, government level that YouTube is complying with. So YouTube are just making sure that they don't get in trouble and they're ensuring that you are responsible and understand what your tax obligations are. Uh, so that that was something that's happened a couple of months ago. YouTube had been warning you about it for a while, and but now it's coming to effect. So just maybe check your analytics, make sure you've done this these things that you needed to do in your AdSense account. The second thing, which uh, has been announced a couple of months ago, well, about a month ago, but nothing's happened yet as far as I'm aware in terms of anyone being invited into this fund. But we've all been wondering about when YouTube Shorts creators are going to be able to monetize their content. As of now, YouTube is saying that they're not necessarily going to be paying people through a partner program, ad revenue, but they have set up a $100 million creator fund and they're going to invite creators into it over the next few months. Uh, and that $100 million is guaranteed for 2021, 2022. Uh, but it is invite only. And currently it's only for US and Indian creators because that's where YouTube Shorts, I guess, has been officially released because it's still in beta in so many different locations around the world. So yeah, Dan, maybe finally a chance for you to earn some income from your shorts. <laughs> maybe, right right when I uh, pivot my efforts away from them <laughs> <laughs> this is great though it's great news we we've talked to a couple of different shorts creators now have, recently yeah. uh we talked to jake fellman we talked to block facts uh these creators as far as we know have not been invited to this program yet i don't know of anybody who's been invited yet as yeah. far as i'm aware I'm, I'm keeping my eye out for anybody who does get an invite because i'd like to show people the process you know the email they get maybe if they have to agree to um, any policies, set up an AdSense account, uh, be interesting to know what the process is going to be for it. Yeah, I, I gotta I gotta say, it, this this just points to again positive signs. It points to a very bright future for short form content. Uh, as I mentioned a minute ago, minute ago, I've kind of pivoted away my efforts from short form, you know, videos. But by I shouldn't even say short form, from short shelf eligible videos. That's yeah. videos that are square or vertical. I'm still making very short videos, but the audience has grown to a point now where I don't feel like I need to limit the size of the frame anymore. I can make a regular standard 16 by 9 YouTube video and post it. And people watch it because I think it follows the same rules that I gave myself making shorts. Make sure they're snappy, make them short, make them funny. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing success there. But this is, I think, TikTok and, and everything have brought on this whole new trend of creators trying to tell a story in less time, give you some valuable information, make you laugh. And uh, I, I think it's here to stay. And I think YouTube is, you know, putting its money where it's shorts are. <laughs> well put, sir. Well put. <laughs> I think what I will say is uh, in terms of the creator community, creator economy for shorts, it feels like a token gesture at the moment. $100 million does sound a lot, but YouTube have already said that YouTube Shorts now accumulate six and a half billion views a day. I still can't believe that number, but if it is true, that accounts for 2.3 trillion views a year. And so when you spread out that $100 million, I think I tried to work it out that let's say 35,000 creators were in, uh, invited into this program, uh, which would still be a small number, they're going to earn just under $3,000 over the course of a year, which 
doesn't sound sustainable. Uh, I think this is while YouTube figure out how to create an ad revenue system on shorts. And then the other thing I will say is that this time last year, YouTube shorts didn't even exist. So to have some form of monetary reward for creators within a space of 12 months is pretty incredible. So hopefully in a year's time, we'll have some fully baked monetization system that all creators are potentially eligible for. Uh, so those are the two news stories, Dan. And I, I want to open it up to our listeners here. We want to try and make this more interactive. Uh, so if you did have any thoughts on either of those two news stories or had any questions, then we would like you to contact us through Twitter. We're going to use that um, to begin with. And maybe we'll open up different communication ways. Maybe we'll open up an email address as well. Um, but if you have any questions about the what you heard of heard about in this podcast, or the new stories that we just talked about, uh, hashtag tube talk so mm -hmm. that we can find a, the tweet and maybe send us a uh, yeah a comment or a question. Uh, or Dan, if we want somebody to ask us any question about YouTube and have it answered in a upcoming podcast, then again, hashtag tube talk and then ask us a question because we want to have like this. I guess, post-interview segment where we, we look at news, uh, we, we, we answer questions, that type of thing. Yeah, we, we don't uh, or we haven't tried in the past to communicate with, with the listeners. And I think this is going to be hopefully a very interesting experience. So, yeah, definitely hit us up. Uh, the Twitter account we use for the show is at vidIQ. And uh, you, can, you can throw that in there or not. We'll just be sure to check the hashtag tube talk and find you out there in the wild so thank you for listening thank you, thank you for your reviews by the way if you take the time to leave a review i may uh, take the time to call you out and show my appreciation unless it's a bad review in which case i will uh you know just kind of cry a little bit and i'll just keep looking and waiting for good runs good reviews mm -hmm. and i am eagerly awaiting the arrival of my grassmaster 3000 <laughs> it is due to be delivered today and even though i live in an apartment block on the second floor <laughs> I'm going to find somewhere to use it. Uh, so make sure to purchase one. You have any, any like shag carpet in your living room? Or anything? I beg your pardon. <laughs> that you can use in the, you know, in your, in your home. <laughs> oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Dan. Oh my God. <laughs> Great. I was trying not to edit. Well, maybe I should use it on Jasper. <laughs> I was trying not to edit. Jasper, the Jasper's my dog, by the way. <laughs> Jasper the dog is going to review the Grassmaster. <laughs> some, some theoretical made up product that we invented for for humor's sake in this podcast okay well great <laughs> thanks everybody bye we hope you enjoyed this episode of tube talk brought to you by vidiq head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes enjoy the rest of your video making day